Um, but if you've been here, to kind of transition a little bit, if you have been here for the past several weeks, um, one of the things that we've been talking about, we've been in this series called Making Change, uh, and it, it has been a stewardship series um, where we have been hopefully helping people make positive change in their lives as they steward the resources that God gives them. And we've tried to make this extremely practical for everybody and, and very helpful. Um, and uh, one of the things that we've been doing kind of each week is reviewing. And so I do want to begin with reviewing, and then we're going to jump right into this week's topic. And so if you started out with us, um, here's one of the things that we encourage you to believe. The first is less is more. All right, and here, here's what we've been doing with this, by the way. Um, I've been asking you to kind of repeat this with me so we actually start to believe it. Um, maybe if we believe it, we'll practice it. Uh, so are you ready? We're going to go through these four uh, together. Less is more, tomorrow matters, stress is bad, and giving is good. One more time. Less is more, tomorrow matters, stress is bad, and giving is good. Now, John 3.16 tells us this. Many of you know it, right? For God so loved the world that he what? All right, you guys repeated it there before, right? The whole thing. You, you know it. For God so loved the world that he was highlighted there. He gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Uh, the principle that I want you to see from th this verse this morning is, is quite simple. And I think most of us believe that this is true, is that God gave what he loved to whom he loved. You get that. God gave what he loved to whom he loved. Like God didn't just send Jesus into the world as just, just some person that he did not love, all right? But God deeply loved his son. When the Holy Spirit falls on Jesus, we know this in all the Gospels, it, it says that, behold, this is my son, this is my beloved son. In other words, God is saying, I love Jesus. And what we discover as Christians and what we believe as Christians is God gives his son on the cross to die in our place for our sins. God is a giving God. Christians can say something that is very unique about God and believe it. And it's this, is that God is good. Do you, do you believe that? Yeah, some of you, all right, all the time. God is good all the time. All right. Do you know how we can say that God, why, why we can say God is good? Because he's a giver. Because God loves in this way so much that he's going to give his only son. And to those who believe in him, they may have everlasting life. God gave what he loved to whom he loved. And the truth is, is that as people who follow after God and believe this to be true, we will become like that, right? One, we'll love God because we understand God has loved us. Two, we'll come to love the things that God loves. In other words, like we'll love people. And, and so Christians should stick out basically just if you're going to like sum up what it is kind of inwardly to be a Christian, right? It's to love God and love other people. It's to believe, all right, that our lives belong to God, that everything within us is God's. And I believe here that giving should mark the Christian life, that the generosity should be part of the Christian's life that just flows out of their love for God and other people. Paul believed this to be true. He is traveling and he's setting up churches and he's basically just like pouring his life out. And, and he's giving kind of a reason for why he's He's doing this, why he's basically given up everything to follow the Lord. And, and he's, he's reminding the churches there in the book of Acts. He says, Jesus says this. He says, it's, it's better to, to give than to receive. And it, he says, it's better to bless, or it's better to, to give, right, 
It is better to be, it's more blessed to give than receive here, is what Paul says. Now, do you believe that this morning, church? Now, if you've been here, if you've been here the past three weeks, uh, I, I hope what you can take away is just like some really helpful stuff. Uh, the truth is, is that like if you come and you've been here the past three weeks and you've learned like less is more, in other words, like you don't need everything that you see, you don't need everything that was in that uh, Black Friday or Thanksgiving ad, right? Um, if you could really live within your means, like that would be really helpful to you. Right? If, if you were here uh, three weeks ago or two weeks ago, and you heard Scott's message about how tomorrow matters, and he shared with you um, some really smart ways to kind of invest in the future um, for yourself and for other people. Like, that, that would be really helpful for you, like, to take that information and to apply it. Uh, if you were here last week, right, and if you started to take some steps to get out of debt, that, that would be something that's really good for you. Right? And the truth is, like, you can take all of that and do all of those things really well. and still not be a Christian, right? And still, like, there not really be any evidence that, that, like, you love Christ. Um, Rather, you can do all of those things really well, and and what those things could actually teach you is that you love a number of things, but not necessarily Christ, right? You might believe, like, like, less is more, right? Because you really believe tomorrow matters. And so right now you're not buying everything so that you can have everything later. And so really what that might be showing you is that, that you just, like, you love security or the future or, or you love stuff, right? You, you could believe that less is more and tomorrow matters and that stress is bad because you have a deep love for your family and you just want to put them in a good financial position and you want to leave something behind for them, which is not a bad thing, by the way. You can, you can believe that less is more, tomorrow matters, um, and uh, stress is bad because you really like status. And status is like the thing that you love, and you know that people, like in bad financial situations, right, they're just not going to have the place of status that they need. You can love a lot of different things and take these principles and apply them to your lives. Like you don't have to be a Christian and apply these principles to your life. And some of you would be better for doing them. But what I want us to see this morning here is that there's something kind of unique about the Christian, what they will give to, right? What I want us to contemplate this morning is like, what, what shows our love for God when it comes to our financial situation and, and what we look, what, what, what do we look like as Christians financially? Who do we give to and how are we generous? Because the truth is, just like God here, God gives, God gave who he loved to what he loves, we too will give to what we love. Right? Like our finances will basically kind of be, be organized in such a way um, that what we love will shine through our finances most. Right? You, will, you will reflect this in your life. And Jesus believes that this is true, that you will give what you love. Uh, in Matthew 6, Jesus says this. He says, and I just gave you verse 21, but I want to read this um, starting in verse 19. It says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves will break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. And in verse 21 he says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What Jesus is, is saying here is that your heart is deeply connected to your finances. Is that there is a string here that is connecting all right, your finances to your heart or your things to your heart 
and what we own and what we dream about and what we want to purchase or what we do purchase and how we spend, right, is a reflection to our heart. And Jesus wants to challenge us in this. This is one of the reasons why for some of us, like a, a stewardship series or um, when the pastor gets up and like he talks about money, why it's so painful, right? It, it's because it's really so deeply personal. Um, Jesus talks about money about um, one in every four times he opens his mouth. And so, right, like if I preached like that, um, about one every four sermons would somehow address your financial situation or your possessions here. Um, what Jesus, though, is trying to do is he's trying to get at your heart and open your heart, and he's trying to get you to understand, right, what do you love most? Because we can be really good at storing things up. We can be really good at believing tomorrow matters, and yet really bad at following Jesus, right? And so Jesus, Jesus says, check out your heart. Where is it? Does it belong to me? Do you love me? Right? Do you give out of your love for me to me? Here is one of the questions that I believe that Jesus would have for us this morning. One of the things that early Christians were known for um, was generosity. Because even as I go through this, this sermon series, um, I, I think it can make some people feel guilty because maybe they're not inherently wealthy. Maybe they haven't made great financial decisions in their lives. And that's never, you know, that's not the purpose of a series like this. Um, especially when you talk about tomorrow matters and all those sorts of things. The, the truth is, is nowhere in Scripture do you see, like, um, a promise of great wealth for Christians. You see principles that can help build wealth. Um, rather, you see Christians who are both wealthy and poor in the Scriptures, and both can be faithful to the Lord here. But what you always see in the Scriptures uh, from true faith is generosity, is a heart that wants to give to others, and a heart that wants to be a part of the family of God, and collectively give to one another. After the scriptures, you see, you see a number of um, historical, basically either apologies or letters about Christians. And, and all of them almost have kind of like basically two different elements to them, depending on their length. But many, uh, many people who are writing about basically first and second uh, century Christianity, they almost always mention two things. One is that Christians are really odd sexually. Like, they, they just have one mate, is what they say, and, and it happens to be of the opposite sex. That, that, that was weird then, right? It's still weird now. Right? We're, not, we're not getting into that today, but the second is they're just really generous. Those, those two things continue to stick out um, to the world then, um, and I hope it would stick out. Now, I'm going to read you, actually, a, uh, um, an, a, what it ends up being an apology here, but what happens during this is in about 125 uh, A.D., um, the Caesar, and I'm probably going to get these names, probably pronounce these names wrong, but it's Hadrian, since basically a spy who's named Aristides uh, to a group of Christians. They kind of travel among a group of Christians here. And um, Hadrian is uh, basically, he's, he's uh, um, a worshiper of some like Greek gods and he actually if you read about him he even is known for building the temple to Venus. Venus is basically the god of good fortune. Um, and Hadrian kind of wants to know like what is what's going on with these Christians? Who are they? What they're doing? Um, would you describe them to me? So he sends this spy into their group and um, this spy basically writes a whole apology on why Christianity is superior 
uh, to all other religions, although he wasn't a Christian before he went into this group. And I want to read you a portion of this um, and just kind of show you some of the things that stuck, sticks out. He says, They do not worship strange gods, and they go, they go their way in all modesty and cheerfulness. Falsehood is not found among them, and they love one another. And from widows, they do not turn away their esteem, and they deliver the orphan from him who treats him harshly. And he who gives, and he who has, gives to him who has not, without boasting. And when they see a stranger, they take him into their homes, and they rejoice over him as a very brother. For they do not call them brethren after the flesh, but brethren after the Spirit, after the spirit and in God. And whenever one of their poor passes from this world, each one of them, according to his ability, gives heed to him. Such, O king, is the commandment of the law of Christians, and such is their manner of life. Right? Did you notice here that what stuck out to this man who was sent into the community, God's community, into his church? Um, the things that he noticed were things like love, generosity, and welcoming the stranger. Right? The, would he notice that about our church? Right? Would he notice that about you? Like if God or somebody were to send a spy into your life and they were to examine your way of life and who you are and and what you were doing, what would they say about you? Or or, or better yet, right? We're in a financial series. We're in a stewardship series, right? If an accountant was examining your, your budget for the year, where you spent, where you've gone, how you've operated with with your finances, like what you've done with your finances, like would they be able to tell like you were a Christian? Would they be able to tell that you were different than everyone else, that you worshiped different things, that you loved God? Like what would they say that you loved most? They say you love God most or they say you love money, right? Status, security, eating out, right? What, what would they say? This is one of the things that I try to continue to ask myself throughout the year and even as I kind of end the year, right? What would they say? Now, I believe that most of us, like, especially if we're Christians, um, like we hope, right, and we really want that person, that spy, um, uh, if we were asking us this question honestly, like oh, we really want, want, want it to come out like, oh yeah, this person loves God. Like they, they, are, they handle their finances fundamentally different than the rest of the world. Do you know that most people spend about as much on their pets every year as they do giving to charities? Right? Uh, I, I mean, like, like 1-2% um, goes out from most households. Uh, and here, like this person who was sent to a group of people could just say, like, these people are generous. These people are different. Now, Here's what I want to do this morning is kind of application or kind of to change um, our own mindset because many of us, right, we just don't have a mindset of generosity and of giving. And, and we want to grow in this because we believe that this is important as Christians. And so I want to give you kind of three things before we leave here this morning that may need to change, right, so that we can become more generous people and, and better givers. And by the way, like if you're not a Christian, just practice giving somewhere. Like I'll just tell you, just give somewhere, all right? But here they are. Here's the first one is you need to believe that everything you have belongs to God, right? You need to believe that everything you have belongs to God. Now, David was a man of great wealth, and David gets kind of to the end of his life, and he's summoning, uh, summarizing everything, and he wants to build this temple. And um, 
He is, he is so thankful for what God has done in his life. He's given him great, great power and great wealth. And I, I want you to kind of hear what David has to say about all of it here in 1 Chronicles 29, 11 through 12. He says, Yours, O Lord, for all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. And in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. Now David is considered the, the greatest king and a man after God's own heart here. And do you notice what he says about everything that he has? Who's, who does it belong to? God, right? <laughs> David had been given ki- a kingdom. And he says, it's not mine, but rather it's God's. And as people who follow the Lord, what we believe is that we are to be good stewards of what is God. And this is the key to stewardship in general, is just to believe that everything that we have comes from God. If you notice, when Jesus teaches us to pray, right, he, he, he says, holy is God, right? Hallowed be thy name. And then what's the next nine? Thy kingdom come. He, Jesus teaches us to pray. God, would your kingdom come? Right? Like, could you really, like, when you pray that, do you mean that? Like, when you are building your life, like, are you building your life in such a way that you are a part of God's kingdom or are you building, or are building your kingdom and like hope God blesses it? Right? Right? To be a good steward, you have to believe that it all belongs to God. There's a really, it's really interesting. If you read, if you read De- Deuteronomy really closely, uh, you'll get to Deuteronomy 8 and there's this really offensive verse in Deuteronomy 8, 17. And basically, what it says is like, hey, when you get to the promised land, don't you dare, don't you dare believe that it's by your hands that you built these houses. That, that, it, that it's by your power and your might that you had this land. Like, basically, God is like saying to, to these people, like, don't you dare believe that all of this has come from you. Like, all these blessings have come from you. Like, when you're reading this, and it's like you're the self-made man or the self-made woman. Um, it, 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 this would just really stick out to you if you read this closely. And, and what God tells them, he says, all of this has come from me. Like, these are all blessings from me. Now, why would God say something like that? Like, why would God want his people to believe, like, hey, this doesn't belong to you? And like, you didn't even do it is what God is saying to them. Why? Right? Because of grace. What God is trying to do throughout the entirety of Scripture is saying that everything good we have comes from the Lord. Like, it, it's, it's all grace. Like, your house is a grace gift from God. Your children are a grace gift from God. Your wealth is a grace gift from God. Now, what do you mean by that, Pastor Josh? Right? Like, I built my company. I built my business. I've built my wealth. I've built my family. I mean, think about it. Right? Why were you born where you were born? Did you have anything to do with that? No. Right? Uh, maybe you were born into a good family. Did you have anything to do with that? No. Uh, maybe you were blessed to go to a good school. Did you have anything to do with that? No. Right? Maybe you were uh, ble- ble- put in a bad family, in a bad school, in a bad place. Right? Uh, but God gave you the ability to make good decisions, to learn. Who gave you your mind? Right. Well, what God is trying to get into his people here 
is that everything that you have is a gift from me. Uh, that, that, if we believe that, that would make a, a very generous, it would make you very generous, it would make you very humble, it would make you very giving. And it would also, it, it, it would also just change the way you, you did everything, um, the way you viewed everything. A couple weeks ago, I was with a man um, who uh, has become very wealthy through the years. He and his twin brother had started a, started a construction company when they were young. Um, and uh, now they're about the retirement age, and um, even during the recession, he was able to sign big contracts with the military and uh, made just a, a, a lot of money. And uh, so he said he's basically, during that time, he was, he's, he became, I became kind of friends with him through another friend, and uh, he was telling me, Josh, he says, I've got to figure out something to do with this. He said, because it's, it's not mine. God has blessed me with this, and so uh, I've been praying with God to, that God would lay something on my heart to do something for him with all of this. And uh, he, began, he began praying, um, and he said God continued to wake him up at night, and he said what he wanted to do is to, to buy a place basically for pastors, church leaders, nonprofit people to come and kind of do retreats to write, uh, to unwind, and even to bring their families and just kind of be served. Uh, and so what he did, he, he, brought a, he bought a sizable farm for people to come um, who lead uh, churches and ministry organizations to come, and he, he feeds them, he hosts them, and he allows them to write, plan, whatever they want to do. And he basically pays for everything while they're there, and he built three little cabins for his guest. And right now, this man is 6'7", by the way, and if he has three guests there using three cabins, he at this time sleeps in his barn in an area um, that might be about seven feet wide. He and his wife and about 10 feet long um, because he believes that his calling is to serve the people that have served him along the way. Part of this calling came from his best friend is a pastor, and so he just wanted to figure out how he could give back. But when I'm there and he's taking me around and he's just asking me, Josh, he says, how can I better steward what I have? Because all of this, you know what? He says, none of this is mine. None of this belongs to me. All of this belongs to God, and so whatever, whatever I can do with this, right, I, I just want to make sure that I am a good steward um, to God. And he says, so what, what can I do to make this a better experience for those who come and for those I'm trying to serve? Right? One of the things that I love about our church and our movement, all right, we, you know, no, no movement, no denomination is perfect, but one of the things they get right, right, is the name on the sign. It says Church of God. And so in other words, like, who does our church belong to? Right, this is God's church, right? That means, like, the people here, right? When, when I, I, I go to pastor you, what I have to remind myself, like, you belong to God. I, like, you're God's, right? Everything we own is God's. This building is God's. It's one of the reasons that we're extremely generous with what we have, right? This, there's something going on here every day of the week. Now, not all of it has to do with our church family, like, with you, but a lot of it has to do with outside organizations from the community, some faith-based, some not. Why? Because this belongs to God. And I believe that when Christians are present, right, the, the community should know that we are here for them and because we love them. My house belongs to God. This is the reason that we will have a group of people there tonight, right? Uh, we will have a group of people at my house tonight discussing what's going on here, um, reading the Bible together, and praying together in my home. Now, we can do that here, and that's great, and we have the facilities to do it. We don't meet at my house because we don't. 
We meet at my house just to make a statement that this belongs to God. People in my neighborhood knows that my, know my house belongs to God. Everything that we have belongs to the Lord. And if you believe this too, it'll make you a little less possessive of things, by the way. Like, if you believe that it belongs to God, you'll want to be a good steward, but at the end of the day, right, if something goes wrong with it, you're not as attached to it. Like, if, it, if it's not essential for, for life and for sharing the gospel, you really don't get that attached to it. I love what John Wesley had to say. Uh, John Wesley was a traveling preacher and evangelist, and his house had burned down, and he's watching it burn down, burn down and this is what, what was recorded. He, he said this. He said, the Lord's house uh, just burned. One less responsibility for me right? Um, now, most of us wouldn't feel that way, probably, but, but the truth is, you know, the point is that it belongs to God, and if we treat everything that we have as a group of people, I believe that we can do some great things for God, so this is why I'm going to challenge you to do this next thing, right? If we believe that everything we have belongs to God, I'm going to encourage you to trust God with a tithe, right? Trust God with a tithe. Malachi uh, 3.10 says this, it says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if, <clears throat> if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down a blessing until there is no more need. Three things I want to point out to you here. The what, the where, and the why when God is making this challenge. First, the what. God is asking the people of God to bring a tithe to the storehouse. So what is a tithe? A tithe is really simple. It's 10%. And so one of the things that we encourage everybody to do in our congregation, right, if you're part of this family, is, is I want to challenge you to give 10%. Um, 10% is really easy to figure out, right? 10% of $100 is $10. 10% of $1,000 is $100. 10% of $10,000 is $1,000. Um, 10% of $50,000 is $5,000. 10% of $100,000 is $10,000. Um, so that's what 10% is. We encourage people to give 10% to our community of faith. This seems to be, right, the amount that um, people had settled on, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, that they would be giving to the local temple or to the local storehouse. So this is the where here. Oh, let me go back to the, to the what, too. Another thing, a tithe was always their first. And so you brought the first fruit offering, which was the tithe. And so it wasn't what was left over. And so we're going to come back to that. There's a, it's important for a reason. Now there's the where, the storehouse. The storehouse here, it, it's, very, it's very clear that the storehouse in Malachi is the local temple where the people are fed the word of God. It, it's very clear here. In fact, in Hosea too, um, last week if you were here, you would have seen that um, the people perish. Why? Because of lack of knowledge. In other words, that the people are no longer listening to the priest. And second is the priest is no longer preaching the word of God. So those two things are going on. Here in Malachi, um, the people of God are perishing uh, because they aren't coming to the storehouse and they aren't giving to the storehouse and they aren't responding to the word of God as well. And so what God is challenging them to do because their life as a community of believers, they are not thriving here. He's saying, bring it to the storehouse, bring it to your local church. And then he tells them the why. So just see what will happen. So just, just check it out. God says, I'm going to bless. I'm going to bless you together. Now, I don't know what this looks like, but I believe that, that if we give collectively, uh, God plans to bless this church. God plans to bless this congregation. And I know that so many of you do and are so thankful for that. And God blesses people through that. 
Now, kind of under this, here's what I want you to know. Here's what I want you to do, right? If you feel like you need to take some steps to get to this place to show that, that you are a follower of, of the Lord and begin, be, and begin to tithe here, you're going to need a plan. Right? I encourage you to plan your tithe out. The truth is, is that you don't give 10% by accident, right? You don't give a percentage in general by accident, but rather that you have to plan it. Um, and so this is why, right? This is why, like, when Emily and I go to budget in the new year, when we sit down and we start to budget, right, a, a, a tithe isn't like something we get to the end of our budget and go, okay, now can we afford to tithe? Right? The tithe is at the top of the budget. We budget off a of 90%. We don't, we, don't, we don't sit down and do it the opposite way. Um, and so we would live off of 90% if we're going to give 10% away, or less than 90% if we're going to give more than that away. Um, now, I know when some of us comes, comes to giving, like some of us, like we want to feel real warm and fuzzy, right, before we'll give to anything or do anything. Um, the truth is, though, if we're giving out of our love for God, right, we're not going to wait until like we feel warm and fuzzy. Like, it's going to be joyful. Don't get me wrong. Because we're going to believe that it's the right thing to do and it's a healthy discipline in our life. But we're not always going to feel warm and fuzzy. And that's the truth for all things that we love. Right? You better get your wife a present on, on, uh, on your anniversary, whether or not you feel warm and fuzzy that day or not. Right? Because you love her. Right? And you want to express that love for her. Right? Right? You, we do this with all things we love. Like, if you love to go on vacation, um, even though you're not feeling vacation at the time, like, you're going to plan for it. You're going to save for it. This is, this is what you do. So I encourage you to have a, have a plan um, to tithe and to give. Uh, the third thing here, um, after you trust God with a tithe, you believe God, everything belongs to God, trust God with a tithe, uh, the third thing I'm going to sh- challenge you to do is to start being generous now. All right? Don't put it off. Stop, start being generous now. I, I love this verse in uh, Philemon. It says, I am praying that you will put into action generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience that all good things we have, that, all the good things we have in Christ. Put into action generosity, right? You're going to need to do it now. If you put it off, it's, it's unlikely that you'll actually do it. I started to think, I wanted to think of kind of three different mindsets that keep us from doing it now. Um, maybe we've seen it abused, right? So, you, like, you know what I'm talking about. Um, the pastor, the preacher who is maybe you've seen on TV, crazy hair, um, whatever. They're promising that, like, hey, if you give $100, like $1,000 is going to s- show up on your doorstep. Awesome gold cufflinks. They're flying around in jets or whatever. Um, I promise, like, you don't have that here. If you have any questions about anything that we do or anything that we give, you actually can go ask the, the, our, our financial people right after um, the service in room 106. Like, I drive an old rusty truck, okay? No plane yet. I'm working on it. Um, I hear Dennis Reynolds has a plane, though. I'm trying to get him to put my name on it. Uh, First Church Ministries. He hasn't bought into that yet. Um, so none of that, right? right? That's not going on. So if you've seen it abused, I'm sorry, right? I'm sorry. Um, the second reason maybe that you, you, you don't give or you're not ready now is you just don't believe you have enough. Right? It, it's this mindset that, that I don't have enough. And the truth is, like, if that's your mindset, it, it may never change. Like, some people are just going to struggle with this 
all their lives until they become content and believe that less is more and believe that what they have in Christ is enough. Right? You'll always want more. And if you look at how people give throughout their lives, right, this, this really never changes um, unless you just have the gift of, of generosity and you're just naturally a, gener- a generous person. One of the things um, that I always challenge people to do in marriage counseling and ask them is like, hey, where are you going to give? Who are you giving to? And this is dependent. I'll ask this if they're a Christian or not, because I want them to give somewhere. I want them to give to make the world a better place, even if they're not a believer. Um, and the reason I challenge them to do this and start this early on in their marriage, because if, they don't, if you don't start early, you'll probably never start. Um, and so, like, you can say, like, I'll just wait till later. People who wait till later just need more later, right? That's, that's the truth of the matter. Like, as, as your income begins to grow, so does your house, so does your car, so do your bills, right? And so if it's not a discipline that you have at a young age and start now, it's unlikely that you will actually ever start it. So I want to encourage you to, to start it now. And here's one of the things that I'm going to challenge our church, all right? Um, I, I was afraid about whether or not I even wanted to kind of s- let you know this because our hearts need to be in the right place as I tell you this. Um, all of you know that, you know, like I want to be able to measure things because I believe that we, we, we kind of measure um, what we value uh, so we know where we kind of need to go next. And so I just asked, hey, just send me statistics, just giving statistics by ages, like not names or whatever, just ages to see like where we are at as a church. And the truth is here, get this, the truth is, is that 80% of our income comes from those who are 50 and older, right? 80% of everything that was given this past year comes from those who are 80 and older, or 80 and older, excuse me, 50 and older. Now, now, so if you're under 50 here, I I, want to challenge you this morning, right? I want to challenge you. Like, I want to challenge you to give, Emily and I, we just got back from a, a family th- uh, Thanksgiving, and we were talking, and we traveled the furthest to get there. Um, and so I called up, because I began to think, like, over the past years, what have we taken? Like, what, what do we take? What do we take? We have, we have a big family on my mom's side, and a lot of people show up. And, like, what are we contributing? I'm bringing five people, right? Uh, and so I was thinking, like, am I expecting everybody else to feed my five? Right? Like, I've got to take something. Right? And so, like, we strategize, like, what can we take? How can we contribute uh, to, to our family? Um, yes, we've got five people to take care of, but every, like, this is, this is not, it's not new. Like, we chose, to, we kind of chose how to have five. Um, but, <laughs> right? Uh, and, and so, like, if, if you, if you are, are younger here, I, I want to challenge you to give. And I want to tell you this, not because, like, Emily and I, like, want to pat ourselves on the back, or anything like this, I want to I tell you this to challenge you, okay? Um, <laughs> you can give, you can tithe. Um, when we, part of the reasons Emily and I were able to do this, by the way, too, is because I actually believe the principles that I taught you the past three, three weeks. Um, so we're, we're able to tithe, and we're able to give to things like the Generations Project, and we're able to give to Faith Promise, maybe not abundantly as some people are, but we're able to do it. So at the end of the year, I, you know, I'm challenging you young people. I've got five kids, one income, and we've given almost away 20% by the end of the year, all right? I want to challenge our young people, right? I want to challenge our young pe- families. 
like to make this reality in their life. Like, I believe that the local church is the hope of the world. Right? You, you want to you solve society's problems? Right? You need a healthy church. Right? You want to you really follow Jesus together? You need a healthy church. Right? The church is worth investing in. Because God loves his church. He does. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait till tomorrow. Start now. Start now. Second, or the third and last mindset that we just need to get over is is this scarcity. That there's not enough to go around. There's enough, right? It's... God is a God of abundance. It reminds me of the kid that he's given money by his parents to say to put in a plate. I think it was like $5. And his dad watched the plate go by and the kid didn't put the money in the plate. And the father asked the son, he said, uh, why didn't you put that money in the plate? And the kid kind of shrugged his shoulders. And his dad, his, his dad said, well, you know where kids go who don't put their money in the plate, right? And the kid said, yeah. To the movies, right? Uh, this parents would have supplied that. Like, our, our God has more than what we need, and our God is going to supply for us. Our, our God is going to give us what we need in the moment we need it, and we need to trust him in that, right? We've given you principles that are going to help you to, to live faithfully, right? It, it, like, it wasn't offensive, like, when our elders said that we need to raise money to Emily and I to give to the Generations Project. Why? Because we had a savings fund saved up, and so we could give generously even on the front end, and it, it wasn't like, it wasn't something that scared us or upset us or was offensive to us in any way, right? And we, we could do that because we applied these principles that I've taught you over the past four weeks to your lives um, that come from Scripture, by the way. Like, God is, is going to provide. He's a God of abundance. One of the re- ways that kind of just helps me remember, and right, I've got to remind myself of this all the time because I am just as materialistic as the next person. Right? There are experiences that I've had with Christians in other places of the world, and other places in the world like Kenya um, or Guatemala. And one of the experiences that stick out to me is the first one that I went on. I went to Guatemala. The first, the first time I went to Guatemala, I remember we, we used some of our funds to save up to buy all these beans and all this rice and take it up to the mountain uh, to these Christians on the top of the mountain. And um, we took a piñata up there. We did like a, a little Bible study with them. We played with the kids. Um, the piñata was a little blonde girl that looked like one of the girls that was with us. And you had all these, you know, tan kids hitting the piñata um, and pointing at the blonde girl when her, her next. Um, but we, we get done at the end of the day, and they cooked, they cooked this big meal um, for us out of all the rice and the beans. And then they slaughtered a couple of their chickens. These people had very little. I mean, dirt floors, huts, they had almost no money. We were the ones taking them, the rice, the beans, and trying to serve them, having a good time. And they, they gave about half of what we brought back to us and then slaughtered their chickens, right? They didn't gain anything from us coming. In fact, they lost a couple chickens, right? And we got a meal and E. coli uh, on our way out. <laughs> we really did. We were playing musical chairs in the plane on the way home. Right? But they understood this. Right? They understood that our God is a giving God, that God is good, that God loves us, that God is going to supply. And they had no problem giving back to the Lord. Yeah. One of the things that I just hope to preach to um, is decision. And, right? and so this morning, I don't know what God's laying on your heart, 
Um, but right, if, if, you're, if, if God is just telling you like, hey, you need to be more generous. Hey, like you really need to believe that God is good and that giving is good. Right? Would, would you begin to give today? Would you bring that meal, right, to the family so that we can all eat together? Would you contribute? Let us pray. Hey, Father, we give you thanks because you are good. As we think about giving, we're not giving to God who hasn't given us anything, who we're unsure of whether or not he even loves us. We are able to give out of our love for you. Um, we know that there's nothing in this world that you wouldn't give for us. You've given your son. And so we pray that all of our giving is just a response to that. We pray, Father, uh, that we believe that everything belongs to you. And if everything belongs to you, this next thing isn't so hard to do. Father, we pray that if you are prompting us to be more generous or to tithe, um, that we just respond to that. We pray that... Um, we actually are just, are just thankful that we have even the 90%. Father, I pray that people don't put off decisions, that they start being generous now, that they start giving, giving now. I give you thanks, Father, for all those in the church who do, do such a fantastic job, who are so generous. I pray, Father, that you bless them. I pray, Father, that you bless our church because of what you're doing through them. I pray that lives are changed. I pray people that come to know Christ because of your generosity through them. Father, I pray today that if there's somebody here and they haven't received Jesus as Lord, if they don't understand that you, you gave up your son, because you love them, I pray, Father, that you would tell them this morning that you love them. Maybe there's somebody here today and they're just wondering that, am I loved by God? And the answer to that is yes. And might they believe that this morning? And might they receive your son Jesus as Savior? Might they feel love from the church? And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.